inspired me with Inspire Recovery and, and I would say that I, I had worked with the treatment industry in a different capacity and what I noticed is that there was not any place for trans people within right. the whole, within the treatment system and so when I started Inspire Recovery it was really just to create a safe space for the LGBTQ community to come and you know just thinking about myself and you know what would be comfortable for me and where I would be able to be my authentic self in treatment I wanted to create that kind of place for uh, for the for the community and that's you know that's pretty much what it is it's it's a place where People can come and be their authentic self compared to, let's say, the persona showing up to treatment. And that's, that's what happens a lot of times with our community is when they go to a treatment center and they're maybe feeling some trauma from the center, you know, and so the person that's going to show up in, in therapy to do the work, it's not necessarily them. Right. So, you know, and I thought that would be great if I had a place like that when I was younger to, to go to and to be able to, you know, be free and have affirming therapists who know more than I know and are able to, you know, teach me about the community. And, uh, and what got you into, like, why recovery? Why the recovery industry? Mm -hmm. What inspired that or encouraged that, rather? Well, when I was much younger, I got sober at a, a really young age. How old were you? Nineteen. Wow. That's yeah. Awesome. So I, you know, I was one of those people. I came to Florida, and got sober, and I stayed sober, and then I made a life for myself in West Palm Beach and Lake Worth, Palm Beach County area. Right. And I originally I wanted I wanted to be a therapist, and so I went to school and I did human services, and at the time. I was, you know, I was in a 12-step fellowship, and in the fellowship, there was just a lot of strong opinions and, and looking down upon people who wanted to go into the industry of being a therapy and helping other 
alcoholics and addicts. And so that's kind of like what I heard from, you know, the people that were around me. And so I felt ashamed that I wanted to do that. And so instead, I then lost all passion and I took the book. I was going to go to, you know, I was going to go to continue for my bachelor's degree. And I had no passion left. I didn't care what I did. And I just looked through the book and I looked through to find anything that didn't have math because I didn't want to take any math classes. I feel you on that. Mm -hmm. I'm not not a mathematician. So (laughs) I ended up uh, finding, picking communication and I did that. And towards the end of it, I ended up getting into computer stuff, tech stuff. And so I was almost at the end of my bachelor's and I started you know, talking to my professor about, oh, I want to change my major, and uh, they said, well, just like, you know, just learn on your own, go find someone, you know, to teach you, and, and so I finished my bachelor's, you know, and I never did anything in school of what I necessarily wanted to do, but I did do uh, women's studies, which was great, and I was able to really be introduced to some LGBTQ stuff and feminism stuff and that was pretty cool and then I learned everything I could about computers I ended up going back to school and funny enough they said okay if you want to take these programming classes you have to take pre-calculus and you have to take all these so I had started out in school where they made me when I first started my AA I had to take all the basic math classes and so when I went back and they told me I had to take, you know, pre-calculus and I hadn't taken any and I had to take all the math classes to get there, um, I basically just convinced them. I told them, hey, you know, in high school I took all the classes, you know, through, tri- to, through trig. Can you please just let me skip? And they did. They let me skip everything. Wow, and, what a good addict you are. <laughs> and so I... Uh, went right into pre-calculus and I got through that in some nice. in, you know interesting ways and and I ended up in the tech industry and, and then I pretty soon after that I started ended up starting a company and at the time it was uh, it was called Town Tech okay. and I you know was doing a lot of um, tech stuff but then I transferred more into marketing and uh, doing that kind of stuff. And that's how I ended up, ironically, back into uh, working with treatment centers and, and drug detoxes. And so I had, you know, I had this company, it was, you know, it was called Town Tech for years, a couple years. And through that, I, you know, I met a lot of people and I ended up starting another company that was like an alternative medicine type company that was online with a social worker and some other people and so what happened is we um, one of our investors we had a bunch of investors and we had this person who um, was dating a high-profile person and every time she drank she would put the information and pictures out to the media and so oh, wow. it was in his best interest to get her sober. And so she went to a detox and she introduced me to them. And this is how I ended up in, you know, working with drug detox. And so I 
started working with uh, Sunrise Detox and I worked with them for many years and then uh, then I ended up worked with a couple other places and started a new business and that's when I started to see this issue of trans people being left out of you know there's nowhere for them to to room there's no no you know no there was just no welcoming place and centers really didn't not necessarily know what to do right and so that's that's when I said okay you know I'm gonna go ahead and start uh, creating which what I saw was the main issue at the time was housing so I created housing for the community all gender housing and then started an open inspire recovery and and then really focused in on working with the, the trans and queer community and creating this affirming environment, you know, of educated professionals and, you know, now we have, you know, all gender housing and... Um, oh, wow, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And how does that, how does it usually work out? I mean, like, tell us, tell us a little about the, the gender housing. Are people respectful of one another? I mean, it's early recovery. I know mm -hmm. when um, I was in early recovery, I was a mess. I was not considerate of people. I, you know, uh, kind of just did my own thing. And I had to deal with consequences of like people not liking me, people not wanting to be around me, mm -hmm. and having to listen to my sponsor and do what she actually said to do mm -hmm. to change my ways so that mm -hmm. people would want to be around me. Mm -hmm. um, so how, do you, how does that work out with cleanliness and you know, they say girls are grosser than guys, but it, I don't know, it's all up in the air, right? Um, what, how, does that, how does that work out? Well, I would say that, you know, since none of that kind of stuff would apply in the sense that, you know, the, like, we see, we don't see a two-gender system. So... Well it's pretty much, you know, we start, you know, we, we have to see basically deconstruct gender and you know re you know reprogram any anyone that comes to work with us on the way they think about gender and so although in the beginning when we first opened or before we opened when I was trying to figure it out how to do housing and I started asking around and looking in other other states and I couldn't find anything it's never, it's not even really a topic that ever comes up because, you know, the way that it works is just perfect. So, you know, we room people based on energy. And really, you know, what's like more important is just making sure that the clients that come in, that their needs are met. Like if, you know, if a person has trauma, the trauma of gender dysphoria, that they're, they get HRT immediately because that's the kind of thing that's going to make them feel better and be able to like move forward as far as how everyone gets along and the cleanliness you know they're kind of a lot of times they could be like you know kids like you know high school kids or yeah. young kids or yeah. all ages and especially with the trans community because they're you know they start out growing up and you know they they know their identity but society starts telling them they're wrong and you know you're this other identity that we labeled you and so that's where like some like developmental stuff starts so you know it's kind of like having people of all ages and at all different places and 
but there's no relation to like any you know there'd be so many you know so many different genders so there's not really you know if someone is messy it, it would be just their personality type to be messy or maybe they're they're paralyzed in some kind of trauma so they're not able to to move or maybe they've never learned how to clean so right. you know it's just like any you know teaching them how to clean or maybe their you know priorities are somewhere else so it would be yeah it would be like the only difference would be that there's no separation of genders got it i mean that would make sense hence the whole mm-hmm. concept of inspired recovery so i apologize for that no odd question definitely um, not it was a hot topic in the beginning but just to be mm-hmm. honest then i mean i run a you know an lgbtq podcast but at the end of the day i'm not that educated on mm-hmm. you know uh everything i'm not that educated on exactly what queer means how people identify as queer um a couple you know a few a few of my friends are transgender and i'm understanding of it but i really haven't um educated myself as much as I had hoped to on this show, you know? So from from somebody from that honest standpoint who, you know, I feel kind of ashamed that I haven't self-educated myself that much on it, but, I mean, that's the goal of the show is to help not only myself but other people become knowledgeable about things that you're not, um, society hasn't recently been accustomed to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's just being a human being, right? I mean, essentially, what what does queer mean to you? I mean, I asked this on my last podcast, but I'm just curious, since you've run a transgender environment, community, like, how, how does that, is it, does it just kind of mean, like, human being at the end of the day? Well, I think that queer has several different meanings because, you know, in one sense, you can say queer... And it could be talking about the whole community. So you were, it used to be a term that was derogatory, and sometimes some older LGBTQ people are kind of surprised. Wow, why? How come everyone's using this word queer? You right. know, when it was used against us back in the day. But it's it was reclaimed, and it's kind of like an umbrella term for the community. But then there's also like gender queer. Like that's how I identify, and that's you know that what would be that more mean? like more like non-binary sort of but you know the way I look at gender queer is kind of like for me I'm sort of like fixed like if there were a line and a line is still very limiting but you know for me if there's male on one side and female on the other side I'm pretty much always in the same place somewhere in the middle and some people you know might identify gender fluid and so they might you know one day feel more masculine or one day feel more feminine Um, so that's you know that's like gender queer so I think that you know there's definitely it it would be sort of up to the person how they think of queer but it's definitely like I said it's either this umbrella term for the whole LGBTQ community so like you know like I'm part of a queer community and sometimes that could include allies that, that can include you know any part of the community, and then but then there's that uh, that identity of being genderqueer, like how I identify, and uh, you know it's just a little bit different than the broad term. Got it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that with me. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. 
Um, I'd love to hear about what you were like when you were a kid. I mean, if you got clean and sober when you were 19 years old, mm-hmm. tell me who Donna was, you know? Like, how did you grow up? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of, uh, was that initiation phase that, that made you want to start using drugs and get curious about stuff? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how did it, how did it, uh, how did you get bottom? Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, the, my growing up years would probably be my least authentic self years. So, you know, because I, I did grow up a, in a place and time where I did not see any LGBTQ people. There was no LGBTQ people in my town or... Should I stop? Yeah, so there was no LGBTQ people anywhere around me. It wasn't, you know, wasn't introduced to me. And that's why I'm so passionate. Like, the reason I do Inspire Recovery and, you know, I started a nonprofit a couple years ago is literally because I want to create more successful, visible LGBTQ people so yes. young people don't have to grow up like I did or much worse because my, you know, my upbringing compared to other people's is, you know, it would be amazing compared to some people or some of the clients that come into our center from, you know, like Mississippi and Arkansas and Georgia and Tennessee or, you know, from a religious family, especially like Baptist families, it's very difficult or people that have gone through conversion therapy. It's like, there's so much more extremes, but for me, it was just, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what, what the issue was. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. I never felt comfortable. I always felt, you know, I, there was just not any level of comfort. I wasn't comfortable in my home. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily have a connection with my parents in the way that maybe I could have if I was my authentic self. And just really because of those feelings, I, you know, I was able to, see at a young age how great alcohol made me feel and you know my dream growing up was just to like have a bar in my house and be able to drink as much as I could and ironically I got sober at 19 before I had a house of my own and that never happened but I alcohol was your drug of choice well that's definitely where I started and then you know I found other drugs and by the time I ended up getting sober I was on a methadone clinic which is another hot topic today, right? Yeah. Suboxone and yeah. Sobutex and methadone, and I definitely am here to say that is, you know, how it's being portrayed as a solution. Uh, you know, it's certainly not a solution, you know, but yeah, I have to agree with that. for me, I, uh, you know, I actually got on methadone because I wanted to be sober. So just like people get on Suboxone, I, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to be physically addicted to a drug, and little did I know that I was going to end up being even more physically addictive, and it was going to be a, a whole different ballgame of actually getting sober, but, you know, I was told that this is a way, you know, and I and I did that, and so... Um, Can you describe, because I don't know if any, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't have like a recovery um, audience, I've got, you know, a lesbian audience yeah can you give some insight as to what it's like to detox from methadone 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's not, it's not, you know, it's kind of like a, another opiate, like let's say heroin, right. of a three-day withdrawal would be a walk in the park compared to detoxing off someone, something like methadone or some of these new drugs today that now take even longer. When I talk to people, they say it's like three months until they're through. For me, it was a couple weeks and, you know, it was, it was not, you know, it was just hell. Yeah. You know, it wasn't enjoyable. Like climbing out of your skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, climbing out of my skin. I would hit my head against the wall. I, I mean, it, there was nothing fun about it. And, and it was that that really stuck with me, you know, that, you know, where I just never wanted to be in that situation ever again. And at that time, there were clinics where you had to go to. So I was also, like, stuck going to a clinic every day. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'll never be able to travel, you know, or have a life. And so even when I came down here to, to go to a, another rehab, I thought this is probably the last time I'll ever fly. You know, and little did I know my life was about to start. So, you know, I would say that, like, being part of the LGBTQ community and not knowing what I was or who I was or knowing anything about identity or sexual orientation, I, you know, I easily turned to drugs and alcohol. Just makes perfect sense because I didn't feel comfortable and now now I feel, now I can actually, you know, you see I'm socially awkward, so... Like imagine what what drugs I don't and alcohol think you're do. I'm definitely a bit socially awkward, so you know it's like it's a great it's just a great it's a great solution in every aspect except when it turns and then you know it's it's not anymore. Right. And so you know maybe had I seen other people like myself and had a support group and had friends, you know it would have been a different situation. So I think that. And for me, you know, what's interesting is that when I did come out and when I did finally understand who I was, it wasn't even exact either. So, you know, I I only learned about sexual orientation. So I learned about, you know, basically lesbian people and, you know, heterosexual people or bisexual. Yeah. And so... That was how I came out, you know, as, as a lesbian person. Right. But it didn't really reflect the fact that, you know, I wanted short hair and I, and of course that's expression, so that, that would be more like gender expression, so it's not even necessarily, necessarily related to gender identity. But for me, it was because people, you know, like everyone with different gender identities might value expression, you know, or, or might not. but. So, you know, for me, I realized later on, and really as I came into doing Inspire Recovery, I got to understand a lot more about gender and see that, like, my primary situation was not that, not my sexual orientation, it was more like my gender identity. And so, you know, I think that's where I, I felt the most uncomfortable. And like when I was, you know, and then when I came out as a lesbian, I cut my hair, I did all these things that, you know, you think like stereotypically lesbians do, but really is it, is it who you're attracted to or is it your, your gender? For me, I've come to realize it has to do with gender and, 
that makes the most sense. Uh, but, you know, for people, especially older people, the only thing that people knew is like, oh, maybe like a, you know, butch lesbian, like is, right. that, you know, had they, you know, had a person, you know, who says like, I'm a butch lesbian, maybe if they understood gender that, you know, they might see like, okay, well maybe, and, but maybe they are because everybody identifies how, you know, whatever. Differently. Yeah, works for them. Right. So, and that's a lot of the stuff we do too at Inspire Recovery is like doing like gender identity treatment plans and helping people because oftentimes people come to us and, you know, they might be questioning and not really knowing. Yeah. We have plenty of people, I'd say more people that come, you know, saying I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lesbian person that actually learn about gender and start HRT and end up coming out as trans guys. So that happens pretty often for us. And what does HRT stand for? That would be hormone replacement therapy. Okay. Yeah. So it's like that is one of the most important important like life-saving medical interventions for trans people and some queer people and again it just depends on if that's what someone desires but it like some of the big issues is just feeling not feeling congruent so for a trans person you know once a person gets on HRT like let's say someone comes to our center and they have all these diagnoses and typically like let's say a kid starts going to a therapist or a psychiatrist or even an adult goes later on in their life or you know a teenager most therapists or psychiatrists are not going to say you know explore gender identity right they're not going to explore like there's in the dsm-5 there's gen there's um there's gender dysphoria but the description of it doesn't really match anything about what the trauma of gender dysphoria looks like and really it looks like all these different mental health diagnoses so which you know when people come into the center they might appear to be schizoaffective or appear to be in a psychosis or appear to be on the autism spectrum and you know appear to be borderline and bipolar and just goes on and on and then you know, but really it's just, is it just symptoms of the trauma of gender dysphoria? And so let's, you know. Or the they, drugs, right? It's similar to, a, yeah, a person getting sober and diagnosing someone within, you know, a short time period. Of course, they're going to seemingly have all these diagnoses. So, yeah. you know, we just look at everything through a trauma-informed lens and help, you know, help our clients through medical interventions, social interventions, and by doing that, the symptoms lessen. And those diagnoses, maybe they're not in a psychosis anymore, maybe they're not hallucinating anymore, maybe, you know, they're, all of a sudden, they're not, they're, they're not seemingly on the autistic, autism spectrum. Right. Obviously, it would take a while for, you know, those, that, that label to leave them, Yes. But that's pretty much what we find is that, you know, so HRT is medically one of the, you know, first things that we would do for someone who is desiring HRT and that, you know, and then just from that alone, besides just being in a peer-based community where their experience is normalized and everyone around them is part of the community, 
Um, HRT is really is, is life-saving and really can start a person on a path where where someone is not able to be their authentic self because they're, like they're sitting there you know thinking how can I get my HRT what can I tell this person to get my HRT in Florida how can I get a letter to get my HRT it's actually off this time oh really you can just turn around So yeah, so that's HRT. It's you know it, it's it's really helpful for kids when if they're able to start before puberty because then they don't have to go th like just imagine going through puberty as you know in the wrong body right when you can add, so like that's super life saving. So it's it's really um, yeah it's it's a great intervention. That's awesome. And you can definitely guide the conversation yes. if I'm talking too much about. No, you're doing great. Yeah. You're doing great. We're gonna wrap it up surely, especially with the camera. I can't. I'm not happy about that. Are you gonna go with cameras? Okay. Thank you. Or just uh, computers. Troubleshooting. Troubleshooting. Yes. Oh wait. Internal temp high. Oh, it's overheating. Yes. Sorry, guys. No worries. You got one other bedroom. Oh, the camera's hot. Does that one is flashing? You know, also in addition to Inspire Recovery, we have the nonprofit Transpire Help, okay. which helps with funding for housing and for medicine and healthcare. So Very nice. that's you know that's something that we're you know we're growing and we may hopefully be a part of the Southeast Florida Behavioral Health Network soon, which would be real helpful. That would be freaking awesome. Um, and 
And then we, we actually just had our second annual Pride on the Block in West Palm Beach. We never had a Pride before in West Palm. That's so true. We just, um, we just raised some money having you know this event. We're going to have it next year. We're going to start planning now. And that's, that's going to be amazing. Just you know, leaving behind you know, a Pride in West Palm Beach. Like, yeah. That's going to be cool. But more than anything, you know, like we do a ton of education and we educate treatment centers and hospitals and really anyone that wants to become educated. And so it's always my, my number one goal to create more successful, visible people in the community for, for youth because the more, the more we do that, and I, and I believe we 100% do that, and, you know, we also, like, in our our small town we're creating a community you know people come and they stay and you know businesses are now you know more familiar with the trans and queer community because there's just more people you know within the community that are visible that are coming you know are able to really be a part of the community and so to be able to do that not only in West Palm Beach but in other areas so that you know it, it it's not something that people are have a lack of understanding you know right. like like a legacy would be to you know create a you know to create a society where everyone has you know everyone has trans friends and trans family and like kids growing up you know aren't told what identity they are and you know people you know have queer friends and non-binary friends and really just a society where where gender has no relation to body parts and you know and it's not something that someone tells you you know what what it is so I, I would say that you know and the same thing goes for sexual orientation like to you know where just leaving you know leaving behind as many you know successful visible people that can be there as mirrors to the youth and educating as much as possible to you know any any person or business, you know, or institution that wants to be educated and learn how to be an ally, you know, and learn how to create a space for, you know, for people of, you know, to be able to like, be who they are. Right. And so that would, that would really be the number one thing because, you know, it's, it would save a ton of lives. Yeah. You know, it would save a ton of misery and attempted suicides and you know it would definitely stop a lot of the you know misdiagnoses of all the the mental health stuff you know it's like if someone can gets to just you know grow up and be who they are because they see you know on tv you know in the local shopping you know publics and maybe their parents or maybe their parents friends or maybe their cousins they see they don't see this two gender system, you know. Right. So I think that that's that would be the 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 best thing that I could do is you know to number one like grow this organization so it can really continue to help, and then you know help as many people that have already become addicted, and you know just keep on keep on doing the same thing like you know creating as many. Um, communities with more successful, visible LGBTQ folks. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. And life-changing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on Let's Pod. I really appreciate it. Um, tell us 
Again, the name of your nonprofit. So Trans that's Transpire Health. It's Transpire Health. Not oh. health, not health, but help. Like help, help me. So <laughs> transpirehelp.org. Okay, awesome. And then the for profit is Inspire Recovery. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Guys, be sure to check it out. Check it out. Well, thank you, Donna. Um, anything that you want to say to the. It's okay. I mean, I can try. It might ever be. Anything you just one last thing. Anything you'd want to say to somebody who's struggling out there, who doesn't know how to talk about it because they're ashamed. What would you say to them right now? I would say, go onto the internet. You know, go go onto YouTube, search for the people that are like you. You know, go to social media, meet people and make friends and and try to seek out people who are like yourself and i think because of because of the internet and the way that we can be connected you know even in a in a small town you know if you have access to the internet find your community and talk and get support and don't don't stay bottled up it did turn off though it's okay mm -hmm. i'll just cut mm -hmm. but then so Want to finish? Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, I'll finish. Um, yeah, I, that's it. You know, like know that you're not you're not alone, and you're perfectly normal. It's all the people around you that are, you know, stuck in this brainwashed situation that started for them when they were born, and you know, it's not that's not real. You know, what's re you know, what's real is that there is, for every person, there's a different type of person, you know, maybe a different gender, maybe, you know, a diff slightly different way that someone, you know, is, is romantically attracted to different people. So, right. you know, it's just, you know, just hang on, try to meet people and know that, you know, I think the, the biggest issue is for people that are kids, you know, people that think they're stuck, um, that you know, do everything you can to understand that you are 100%, you know, just how you're supposed to be, you're totally normal, and it's the societal, you know, it's the society, religion, you know, that kind of stuff that, that is just telling you stuff that's not, that's not true, so it's hard, but I would say if you're seeing this, you have access to the internet, and I would reach out to people who seem like they would understand. Yeah, that's great advice. Do that, do that for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thanks again for being on the show, Donna. You were awesome. You killed it.